Welcome to the Joy Venture Podcast, a show where dreamers and doers share stories of discovering, developing, and spreading their joy with the world. I'm your host, Jeremy Slagle. In this episode, Thad and I talk with Greg Walter, the boss man at Too Tall Animation Studio. As a kid, Greg found joy in the songs and rhymes he concocted while daydreaming. Today, he's bringing those dreams and beats to life by composing songs and creating animations that are funny, touching, and completely infectious for clients, including Sesame Street Studios. But before he could get into that milestone moment with Sesame Street, Greg would lose his job, need to find his identity, and more importantly, never stop dreaming that he could make his mark in this world one quirky character and song at a time. You'll hear a few of Greg's original compositions in this podcast, and you'll definitely want to watch the animated videos in which they appear on our website. But first, enjoy our conversation with Greg Walter. Greg, thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you guys. Really uh, excited to be here. This is uh, my first podcast, so I'm super excited. The first time you were on my radar, you won a pretty big award here in Columbus for Smokey the Bear. And then the following year, within the last next couple of years, it was this rock cycle. And one of the things that I loved was during the awards ceremony, when they're showing the the animations, when they're kind of showing the winning pieces, all the adults in the room were clapping their hands along with it and like literally singing along with the song by the time it ended and then got a rousing round of applause at the end. I've never seen that happen at an award show before. Yeah. So that, that was, that was so fun because, you know, just like any of us, uh, in a lot of these creative industries, you never get to see people seeing your stuff, especially when you're doing video that's going to be released on the internet or TV or wherever, you know, you never see the final audience. And so having those in front of a crowd of people and seeing, uh, the effect that it had at what points they laughed at what points they moved, like being able to really see how it was affecting people was awesome. Yeah, that was one of the first times uh, that I really started thinking that maybe we were onto something, um, seeing it in front of those crowds. Because I think one of the things that I think that if we are doing something that's different than other people, it's that we are filling our stuff with life and joy. And I think that a lot of times when people are doing communications, especially for like brand communications, they're really afraid to go there. Like they're afraid it'll be too slight or it will be, uh, people won't take their stuff seriously enough if they do, don't do something that's kind of slick and cool with like a drum beat. You know, a lot of that stuff is like that. So we're trying to do something that's, that appeals more to like the child in everyone you know, to, to joy, you know, to, uh, to, to having fun, uh, to allowing yourself to have fun. And then hopefully, you know, a lot of those two were both for a a kids media audience, but we also do branding stuff. And in the branding stuff, what we really want to be able to do is invite people to, uh, to kind of, uh, bond with a brand because they can have fun together. 
Yeah. Instead of being impressed by it, maybe it's beautiful, but it's like a, a gallery piece like hanging on a wall and you can appreciate it, but you may not bond with it. We really want to do something that you bond with and you're like, yeah, that was kind of awesome afterwards. So that was kind of the first time that I actually saw that and the potential for that in action. I think one of the things I love about the work that you do is you take stuff that is, you know, who wants, what kid wants to hear about fire prevention? What kid wants to hear about how rocks become rocks? You know, who that's like snooze fest. But you and your team are able to do stuff that just like takes stuff that's normally bland material and elevate it to a level that I want. Now I understand. I have a better understanding of how rocks work because I've watched your mm-hmm. your animation, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, part of what we really want to do is we. And, and and the opportunity we have in a lot of these cases is take something that could be done in a really boring way and don't just make it fun, but make it strut, you know, make it like, you know, something like the rock cycle. Say if the rock cycle is a person and he's like, you know, always oh, really boring. You know, I'm the rock cycle. You know, what we want to do is we want to like put him on stage and make him Jay-Z for a little while, you know, like, like make, make people believe in the idea that that thing that we're putting up there, that potentially really boring idea is the most fun, kick-ass idea that they've ever seen. Yeah. And just for a minute. And, and even if it's ridiculous, it's completely ridiculous to do that with the rock cycle. But if we can put that on stage and have it strut for a little bit, it's fun because it is ridiculous. And it's also, it's an opportunity for like, for people who do geek out on that stuff to like, for just a moment, feel a little bit like a rock star. Now this is a story all about rocks. So don't lose your mind and hold on to your socks. Doesn't matter if your name is Gabby or Michael. You're gonna want to hear all about the rock cycle. Rock cycle. Rock cycle. So here we go, yo. First things first, let's make it hot. And talk about magma. In case you forgot, when pressure builds up, volcanoes flare. Igneous rocks form when magma is exposed to the air. At some point in time, growing up, what was it that led you into this idea of that I could be an, an animator and and also write the music and write the content, like? Tell me, tell me about your, how you were raised. Like, where did you discover your joy? Um, I, I think the fact that I do all the different stuff, like I've been pretty good at a, at a, a pretty wide variety of things. Like the, uh, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't do the animation anymore. Um, but I used to do that. I, I used to do all the illustration. I don't do that anymore. Cause I found people who are better at those than I am. Um, but I do all the audio. I do the writing. I do everything else. And I do all the direction. And I think, I mean, I've, I've thought about this a lot, you know, like, like, why can I do that stuff? Because I have no, I don't even play an instrument. I have no musical training. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, like if you told, ask me any like musical theory, I have none of it. Um, but I think that what, I think it really does all go back to me as a kid. I was extremely shy as a kid, extremely introverted and an extremely avid daydreamer. And I think that, that, you know, I, when when uh, when I look back at like what did I get my ten thousand hours in before anyone else? It's daydreaming, and it's and and I got it in. I got thirty thousand hours in 
before anybody else did. You know, I, I would spend, you know, hours and hours and hours just like staring at the ceiling, you know, and just, you know, I had this little basketball hoop on the back of my door. I remember this and just like shooting over and over again. And even back then I was like composing rhymes in my head or I was thinking a funny voice. None of it had like an end game, but it just was all in some ways. I think that, that, that I, I got enough of those hours in early enough as a kid that when that stuff started to get shut down, uh, when you know by the realities of you need to be good at math and reading and grades and all this stuff and girls and everything like that, I think I had I think I had opened a big enough funnel that my funnel never completely closed. And I think that that if, if you have a funnel like that, like if if you're able to like, because I don't think of any of it as being creative. I don't think creative is a good word. I think of it as more channeling something. Like I don't think that I've ever created anything. Like when when I go into something and I'm trying to figure out a new song or anything at all, I don't make it. I open I just open the 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 valves up and and I wait for stuff to come through or I, you know, in a, in a Michelangelo kind of way, I look at the stone and I try and I look at it long enough that that something inside it appears. It's almost like something was always there, you know, like there, the the idea will always come because it, it already exists, kind of thing. And so I think in some ways, for me, the creative process, and I know this is a little off 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 topic, but for me, the creative process is more about you know trying to channel some energy. Like I, I feel like anything I get is from somewhere else. And it's, and it's more of a gift than it, that's being given to me than it is me creating anything. But I think if, if there was any advantage that I had in having some of that come to me later on in life, it's that I spent so much time daydreaming as a kid and just like letting these things stew in my head and like, you know, imagining these worlds. And I used to want to be, when I was a kid, a comic book artist and thinking about superheroes and epic. And I was a huge Star Wars geek and just like everything was big and there was stories and, you know, heroism and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and it was a way for me to like, you know, kind of see myself in a world outside of being a shy kid. The creative process is something that um, gets constrained by a timeline by a client. To actually think this stuff up, to open, like you said earlier, to kind of open the valve of creativity, of mm -hmm. pulling from your past or channeling something that what I loved about Rock Cycle is that it it took me back to eighth grade, you know, earth science. And I could see myself like, you know, in front of the big black slab um, desks, you know, mm -hmm. workspaces. And I can get it, right? Because it's fun and it's got a beat to it. And from an educator standpoint, I'm like, yep, there we go. It's it's magma, it's igneous rocks, it's got all this stuff, you know, it's so it's hitting it's hitting those points. It's resonating with the student at a level of this is fun. But even as that educator who, I don't know, twenties, thirties, whatever. I pulled out the Beastie Boys out of that, right? I mean, I totally oh, yeah. heard the Beastie Boys out of that. Was that. Paul's so, boutique era Beastie exactly. Boys. Exactly. Yeah. And so I loved that. And so you're you're walking a fine line between, you know, who's your target audience, but who but who's going to appreciate and approve this as well and see something in it for them beyond their audience. That's really difficult work to do, a tightrope to walk. How how do you get clients 
to give you the freedom to say, what do you think about this harebrained idea? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I think uh, two ways. I think in in one way, I mean, most people who come to us now at least have seen our site. So they're they're not coming in thinking, oh, we really want something corporate and, you know, (laughs) because – Obviously, we can't do that. We just uh, we don't do flashy very well. I don't, we don't do slick very well. I just I just don't know how to do it. Um, the, the second one is I think that that anything because I truly believe that this is the best way to get great messages out. Like this is the contribution I can make is helping people get great messages out to the world in a way that is fun and disarming for people. And so if 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 I can come to them and I can say strategically. You know, this is actually a really good move. I mean, I think this 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 is is really something that's going to uh, be different. I think it's going to cut through the clutter because people are not used to being talked to this way. And if we can uh, can wake them up, then we can give them a great message. You know, like like the like I always try and have something really early on in the first like eight seconds that kind of like wakes people up and says, "Oh, wait, this is different." And then kind of uh, throughout the thing, uh, there's a wake up every, in every so often. And especially right before you're about to deliver something very important, you want to wake up the brain cells. So you'll have like some change of pace or a gag or something like that right as something's about to happen. So that hopefully as soon as someone starts drifting off, they'll come right back to it. And, you know, I, and I think there, there are a lot of things like that that are, that are primarily strategic that if I explain that to people, they're like, okay, I can, I can, not only do I get this, but I can explain this to my boss or I can explain this to the person who's going to fund this because that actually makes sense. Talk a little bit about the journey of getting to creating too tall, but really what I want you to, to think about is you said something that you're doing something that nobody else is doing. That's the point where you, where you know, you become, I don't, I don't want to say a maverick, but you, you know, you realize that you're going against the grain. That a lot of times goes against conventional wisdom of how to build a business. Mm-hmm. Like what in the world makes you think people are going to buy in to your fun, silly way of promoting a brand or an idea when everybody else is going in the different direction? Um and you've got a family, you've got bills to pay, you've got things to do, right? You're, but you're cutting against the grain of of convention. And even even in the video world, I I think of like explainer videos, and I'm 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 probably doing this a total injustice, but you know I see sort of the quick sketch idea, and I'm like, yeah, we want one of those, right? Mm-hmm. It, that's not what you do. You are you're telling like stories uh, in a way that is. Almost like a like a vignette that it's like a almost like a tiny little produced program specific to what people are doing. How did you how did you move around? Um, you know, from from art school to a job to being in Columbus to say, yeah, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> it kind of it, it kind of bucks conventional wisdom. I want to hear how you got there. We moved back to Columbus to be closer to my wife's family, and I actually kept my job. In, in Seattle, I was working for a place called Headsprout, which is a reading program for kids where we were doing animations for them for, for – I was there for like 10 years. And I, I ended up keeping my job there and working remotely when we moved to Ohio. It was kind of one of the – one of those, like, if we can, if we can both keep – if I can keep my job, we can probably make this move because there was no 
industry in Columbus, Ohio that would ever hire me. I mean, there's just no one. Columbus is a very creative area, but it just does not have a footprint in what I do. Like there was no, but nobody doing kind of this kind of thing here. And so I was able to keep my job and it was awesome until I got laid off a couple of years later. And, uh, and so at that point it was, it was really, uh, I was really trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I started applying to jobs. Uh, my initial reaction wasn't to start a company. Cause I was like, I don't even know how to do that. Like, I don't know who would hire us. Like all the stuff you're talking about. I was like, who would, who would hire me? How do I get a foothold? I have no like connections, uh, really at all. Um, and so I started trying to like get remote jobs and, and, and I'd send these applications into these companies that I was vastly overqualified for and and they were like we we have no interest in entertaining a remote employee and and i was like oh crap okay so that's not going to work out um and so i just looked i was like okay i'm just gonna do freelance work until i can find something because my i didn't if if i had known more about the landscape in columbus at the time there there's a chance that i could have gone into some of these production studios and lobbied for animation um, but I, you know, I, I didn't know that at the time. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna start doing some freelance work. And uh, luckily enough, I was, I was able to find some places that do video explainers that just needed people to animate them. And so, uh, I hooked up with a cut with, with one that actually does really nice work in Cincinnati, Epiphio. And they, uh, sent me a lot of work. I got a lot of stuff under my belt, just kind of doing visuals and, uh, animation for their stuff. And so I was able to build a portfolio kind of out of all that stuff slowly over time, but none of it had Tutal's name on it. Mm. And so the way that I always saw this process was the only way that I could figure out was small pivots. You know, it had to be a series of small pivots. Like I made a pivot based on the, the work that I had done with Head Sprout. I could put it up there. I had done some musical numbers, a few things like that. It showed that I could animate. Okay. I used that as a pivot to get some work with doing these video explainers. Then I put those up on the site. You know, they weren't written by us or anything like that. But I was like, okay, that's 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 enough. I, I can sh- I've I've shown that we can do video explainer something that's marketable. I use that as a, as a pivot to try and get work doing original work with Too Tall, or doing writing and stuff like that with Too Tall. And kind of slowly, I pivoted my way to getting some of these jobs, like the Smoky Bear job, things like that, where I could say this is a Too Tall production. Look what we can do. We can do the entire thing. It's for a known, uh, a known entity, things like that. One thing I did see as I was working for this group that did a lot of video explainers was this video explainer thing was really big, but it was so obvious that it was that it was a bubble. You know, mm-hmm. everyone wanted yeah. one, and when everyone wants one, it's a gold rush. Everyone ran in, and when that happened, there was a race to the bottom for prices. Mm, yeah, and then the, and, and then there was a race to the bottom, and then there was were companies that stayed at the top, and they did the high end stuff, and so there was really not a lot in the middle. And I knew as a small fish company, we'd never be able to compete with the big companies that were staying in the middle, and so I was not going to go to the bottom because I just. If I've got an opportunity to make this impact in the world, I just want to do it the best I can, like and mm-hmm. shoot for the grab for the brass ring. And so we were trying to position ourselves as a high end one and trying to always push our way up to that upper tier and not do mid tier stuff or uh, or or any of the really low tier stuff. Um, and it's it's been a bumpy ride, you know, financially, ups and downs. Um, 
but you know there i have faith that this what we're putting together is going to turn into a really really uh if we keep the quality up and keep doing exactly what we're doing is going to turn into a really uh sustainable creative hopefully well known and well funded company at some point that is putting out high level work and we've we're starting to get you know looks that we've never gotten before you know opportunities that could be studio makers and you know we've got enough of them in the pipeline that anything could happen at this point and and there's a tipping point that I've been looking for for a long time and I don't know if that actually exists because I, I think that it's really a series of tiny miniature tipping points like you get over this little hump and you pivot off of it to the next thing and it's 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 like mountain climbers climbing up Mount Everest one step at a time, but you just got to keep going in the right direction. When I talked with you um, a little bit ago, you had mentioned that you were work, you were in talks at the time with Sesame Street. And as soon as you said that, like, I remember my eighth grade hero paper was about Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. And um, Jim Henson's creativity, his capabilities, his imagination. I mean, what he brought to the world in the gift of Sesame Street, in the gift of just what he did for puppets. And, uh, you know, you've got Broadway shows now that are based on his puppets that he created, that st- that same style. You have everything from um, The Muppet Show, which was just this massive, you know, awesome thing that has kind of come back into the next generation now with the Muppet movies now that are coming mm-hmm. back out. You look at things like Labyrinth and you look at, you know, all the stuff that I grew up with that had puppets. Um, I know even um, George Lucas, when it came to creating Yoda and a lot of the, the characters that were on there, a lot of that came from Jim Henson's imagination yeah. as well. If I had an opportunity to work with one of Jim Henson's companies, I think I would have felt like I've completely arrived. Like that, to me, there's no greater honor than to have the people that have the creative minds at Jim Henson's company to come to you and talk with you about creating projects for them. And, and not only that, you're not, you're not saying, let me redraw Elmo in a different style. Right. You're bringing totally new content to them, and they saw something there and signed a contract with you to do some work. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, it's 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 uh, we're not working with Jim Henson. We're working with Sesame Street. Well, that's um, but Jim yeah, Henson they, they started by uh, didn't didn't Sesame Street get started by Jim Henson? You know, I don't know. He might. I mean, I know that they have been intricately linked over the years because I mean, he did all the puppets. I know, but maybe yeah. they did start it together. Um, I should look back at that and see. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 really funny actually the Sesame Street thing because it's it's um, if there has been one thing in the back of my head for the last four years, like when I do an animation that's for a younger audience. In the back of my head is like, I want to impress Sesame Street. Like, cause they're the gold standard. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been the gold standard for years because what they're doing, so much preschool and young kid entertainment is so bland because you have walls all around you about what is appropriate and not appropriate, what you can and cannot do. The way that they've maneuvered through those walls is incredible. They've brought in so much cool, edgy, interesting stuff for adults into their into their material they brought in like before uh, multiculturalism was even a thing you know they would have multiracial couples on there they would have people who didn't look like me uh, and they had a world that uh, was decades ahead of its time that they were creating as though it just were the world 
Uh, it was just that amazing innovators don't get enough credit for what they've done. So I look at Sesame Street and I'm like, oh my God, like this is like the gold standard for sure, basically. Yeah. And so to to hear from them that that they not only liked what we did, but you know, kind of like uh, are just like beside themselves that they found us. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, it's like, you know, a, a young basketball player, like meeting Michael Jordan. He's like, Oh, you're the best. You're awesome, man. Show me a few things. I was just like, it, it, I was bowled over by it. It's, it's a huge, like, it's an honor. Like it's an honor to even be in the same room. Um, but it's also, I mean, and, and, and I, and I think about it, but it's, it's in some ways because like I, have formed so much of my creative spirit around, you know, my love of Sesame Street. In some ways, it makes a little bit of sense, not not in a like, oh, I'm so good kind of way, but like the the voice that I've crafted over time just by their influence, um, you know, it, it almost was like walking, like coming home again. Like they 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 spoke the same language, they got the same stuff. And in some ways, I think they like meeting people who are like, who kind of get what they're doing too. So I think it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like my feeling like, Oh, we're awesome. Like we've made it. This is incredible. We're really good. It was like, Oh, thank God you get what we're saying. It's like, we don't have to like try so hard to say, Oh, we really want to try and push this idea. They're like, Oh, we love that idea. That's great. We're so glad you said that. Cause you get it. And we were like, Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. Cause you, get, you it. get it. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's, so it was, it was, it was just a nice, it little, ends in a big hug afterwards. Yeah. Big group hugs. Yeah. I um, love it. Yeah. So no, it's, it's, it's been fantastic and, and they're, they're just awesome. And we're super excited to like see where all this stuff goes. So tell us about your first project with them that you've done already and um, how that kind of came to be and then what the future looks like with working with Sesame street. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so we, uh, they had an open call basically we, for, uh, content for their Sesame studios, uh, YouTube site, which is kind of an incubator for them for content that they might, you know, develop further at some other, at some other point. And so we put in four, uh, four bids kind of out of nowhere. Um, we put together four concepts and we, we went it all in because we knew we had one opportunity to actually get their eyeballs on our stuff. I had no contacts there, so I'd never had any opportunity to like get in there and impress them. Like, so we had, we had a little, a little crack in the door, a little opening. And so we, we put our best foot forward and put four proposals together, uh, including one that I'd been thinking about for, for years as a potential children's book, um, that I was really fond of. And I was like, you know, I think this is this, this, I, I want this badly enough that I, I'll, I'll put this in there. Cause yeah, I was very aware that once you sign a contract with them, they own the material that you've created. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was a matter of, you know, would I be willing to give this, this idea that I've had for a while up um, in order to build this amazing relationship? And it was not even like a millisecond before I said, oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> and so we, so we put our, 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 our best foot uh, forward and we, and we came up with um, the, uh, the two, two uh, animations that were one is one was about a monster that wants to eat children and he keeps coming up to the children and each of the, the, it says, can I eat you now? And it was about patience. It was about learning patience and, uh, and, and trying to be able to wait and not get, uh, immediate gratification. And so he'd come up to this kid and he'd say, Hey, can I eat you now? And it was all going to be kind of a beat poetry to a beat kind of thing. Shel Silverstein poem like, and uh, and the kid would say, "Hey, you know, I'm glad hey, I'm glad you like kids. Uh, I know you're hungry, and kids taste great. But good things come to those who wait. 
my, my friend's coming over. Her name is Sue. If you wait a little longer, you can eat her, her too. Something like that. It's, it's changed <laughs> since. But like, it was basically like every kid was like, oh, yeah, you know, you're totally welcome to eat me. But if you wait a little bit longer, my friend's coming over. You can eat all of us when they come over. And then each time, the, the, the monster was having more and more fun playing with the kids that by the end, he didn't want to eat the kids. He wanted to play with the kids. Um, and they, we, we had to tone that one down a little bit and pull back a little bit on the child eating. Why. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of out of nowhere. I love that um, concept, though. What a great story. Yeah, so what, what did you tone it down to? We toned it down to, can I eat your toys? We need to kind of a proxy for the kids. Uh, you know, he, he's not going to eat the kid, but it was, you know, can I eat your toys? And of course they had to be big enough toys that kids wouldn't imitate it in real life. So you know, like things like sandboxes and scooters and, uh, things like that. <gasps> can I eat your toys? I'm glad you like toys. I like them too. And I'd love to share them with you. But don't eat my toys. Instead, let's play. Play? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Can I eat your toys? I'm glad you like toys. I like them too. And I'd love to share them with you. But instead of eating, let's play some more. You can serve and we'll keep score. And the other one that we got through, um, which will be released uh, later on in December, um, by the time this podcast's up, um, is called Henrietti. And it's about a young Yeti, uh, a five-year-old little girl who just happens to be a Yeti, who's living in the world of human kids, goes Makes to sense. school, yeah. lives. She's adopted. Uh, so is her sister, Anita. They're both adopted. They're best friends. And she's basically going through the world of of learning how to become a little kid and all of the stuff that little kids have to learn. But everything is is pushed bigger because she's a Yeti. You know, every every little concern that a little girl would have, you can blow it up big and make it kind of a little allegorical, take it out of the human area by like making all of her things, uh, her concerns and her little teaching points and learning items bigger and more abominable and more interesting and funnier. And so she can be a proxy for any kid who is feeling different, uh, who is different in some ways. Uh, they were particularly interested in, you know, the, the fact that she was big and tall and strong uh, and and starting to like chip away at some of the early body image stuff that little girls are, are exposed to. Um, and so having a, a character that was very confident loved herself, loved how different she was, loved how different all of her friends were, was uh, something that we I was really hoping could be a longer series where we could really delve into individual like uh, self-confidence, self-esteem, uh, valuing others' issues uh, using this character. And, and, and so we've signed up for four of those now with Sesame Street, and, and uh, hopefully we'll do a lot more. And uh, uh, potentially make it uh, even bigger someday. We'll see. I've got my mom's eyes. I've got my dad's feet. I know I look like just any other girl walking down the street, but you know, in some ways, I'm different. I'm big and strong and beautiful. I want to tell the whole wide world that every day I love the ways I'm different. Anita likes to slide, but 
I prefer to swing. Brian only likes turkey, but I'll try anything. One of the other things that I, I love about your work is it's the kind of stuff that parents want to see too. You know, you're at being a parent myself, dad's a parent. Um, you know, I, I think there's something about any kind of content, whether it's, you know, a Disney movie or cartoons or the Muppet movies or the Lego movie or whatever. I mean, the, all of this, the, the, the best content that's out there is the kind of stuff that parents want their kids to watch and they want to sit down and watch it with them because they get the, the satisfaction of the jokes and the humor. The other thing that's great is, is that you don't have to go, you don't have to put, you know, subversive comedy into your stuff that's kind of like, you know, someday when the kids are old enough, they'll get it. Mm-hmm. And it's adult humor that's kind of masqueraded into your, the, the way that you do your content is so funny on its own and well, so pure you. that it doesn't have to go lowbrow or, or go there in order for it to be palatable for parents. It's, it's great stuff. It's just great stuff. I'll, I'll awesome. pivot on Thank that you. too. And, and I'll say that your, your description of um, Henry Yeti, um, I loved it. I, we just watched it here this morning and um, I have an adopted son who looks nothing like me. I didn't get it until you just said it, right? So it, there's, there's subtleties there. I, I mean, I get it. She looks different. She is different. Um, those are the things that in a, in a way without clubbing you over the head with the message is very subtle, but still yet very effective. I thought that, I thought that was, um, you know, really interesting and powerful and watching that. And, and it's, it's sinking in at a deeper level when, when, when you gave a little bit more backstory on, on the character herself, I want to, I want to make this interesting correlation. I heard you speak, um, well, I was supposed to hear you speak live, and I blew a tire on my way to seeing you. <laughs> um, but I heard you speak uh, at an event here uh, in Columbus a few months back, talking about this concept of comfort and doubt. Yeah. And, and in sort of preparing for our, our conversation, I'm, I'm looking around at all your stuff, and I find your LinkedIn page. And I'm, I'm going to read this. I think it's, it's, it's pretty funny and, and interesting. Um, it says, I'm an animator with no training, a songwriter who can't play an instrument, and a storyteller who can't even tell a joke convincingly. I'm barely qualified to run a lemonade stand, let alone an animation studio. That's what people say. This is your business, you know, tagline, right? right. Um, I, knowing you as the way we've gotten to know you, it's, it's, it's that it makes me smile, right? And, and you're not taking yourself too seriously. At the same time, you go by boss man, right? You know, which is kind of like, there's this really interesting thing. And I want to kind of, I don't want to rehash your talk that you gave a few months ago, but there's this interesting dichotomy between comfort of who you are and what you do and being really confident in that and, and living in this tension of doubt of, is it good enough? Do I know what I'm doing? Will people buy into this as someone who is creative and running a business how do you live in the comfort and the doubt? Kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, it's obviously something I thought a lot about. I mean, it's 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 you know, and some of the things I said in the talk, I, I guess I'll rehash a little bit. But, but um, I think that anytime that you are living, uh, trying to build a company, living some sort of a persona where you're trying to communicate and you're trying to get people to 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 have confidence in you as a communicator that you can relay their message, they're in good hands with you, you have to project confidence. 
you have to to not seem like you're full of doubt. Like it's just no one's going to follow an Eeyore. You know, they're going to follow a Pooh or a Tigger. You know, preferably somewhere right in between those two. Like somebody, uh, leaders, the best leaders, whether they have any idea what they're saying and what's coming out of their mouth, people are drawn to them by their their confidence and freedom from doubt. So uh, sometimes it's you know, if I sound confident, that's awesome. It would be great. <laughs> but the, the 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 fact is, like, uh, doubt is is always there. It, it was there when I woke up this morning. I've got another song I have to write. It's not working out. Like I, I, I haven't figured out how to work it out. Like I don't know. You know, you start beating yourself, beating yourself up. You're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing here? Um, this isn't working out. Everything's going to fall apart. You know, I've got this client that I'm really going to try and continue impressing. They think we can do great things, but I'm going to completely fail every day. That I'm doing, that I'm doing the creative part of what I do. If I'm animating for a day, it's nice. That's comfortable. I know how to do it. Um, and and I wish I had more of those days recently because most of what I'm doing is actually really big creative stuff, which is fun when it works. It's exhilarating when it works. Like when you when you come up with that idea, you're like you're on top of a mountain. You're so excited. But most of the time, you know, I I feel like I'm being chased by wolves. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I need to do this thing and, you know, I need to do what I was talking about before, like open up this funnel and all this stuff and have creative creativity come to me. You can't just knuckle down and do this stuff. It's not like if I work harder, I will come up with greater ideas. It's mm. nothing like that. Um, and so the, the doubt is always on my heels and it, some days, you know, I, you know, like I said in the talk, I would just love to just cash in my job for something comfortable and easy that I could just go in and I could do for the day and I could go home at the end of the evening and just chill out at home and watch TV and be content. Um, in some ways, uh, I really think that I have to be fueled by being chased by wolves, though. Like I absolutely have to have no other choice sometimes or else comfortability will and inertia will will come and engulf me. favorite pieces I have to say it is is Frog and Toad. It's I mean, without a doubt one of my favorite pieces. I'm a music nut and, and the sort of Ramstein sort of goth metal vibe you have going to the Frog and Toad. It's 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 so not for kids, but it is so funny. I love it. And so there's a, a sort of that sort of dark macabre side of you that, yeah. that that's still fun and playful, right? Um, but I'm curious, you know, as as just a creative person where are you, where's your antenna to get ideas to come up with 
a, a Henry Yeti and uh, th- this monster that eats toys and that looks you know very funny. Um, I'm curious. Talk to, talk about where your inspiration comes from. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, I think in general, um, I am at my creative best when I have a task that I need to perform. Like I, 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 I don't like a blank white page. Um, in some ways I like the antenna analogy, like, like I need an antenna, like, and, and whether that is like a, a company saying, Hey, we want to communicate this to this client, or it's, um, a educational company saying that we want to teach this or whatever like that, like having a bit of structure at the beginning is something that I can build on top of. Um, I, I, I need something um, solid to kind of build around or chip away at um, most of the time. That's, that's, when the, that's when the best, easiest stuff comes. And I think in some ways that's why I, I was attracted to songs, to songwriting. Because if I'm like, okay, we need to communicate this one thing, the white blank page is too big and intimidating. But if, if, if I can say, if I can impose a song structure on it, if I have to do it in rhyme, that, that may seem more constricting and, and, and intimidating, but to me, it's like, okay, now I have a tree that I can start draping ornaments on. You know, now I have, I have the beginnings of something, and then all I need to do is, is play with Tinker Toys. Like, I need to find this rhyme goes with this rhyme, and then once that happens, they flow like this, and then continue to, like, put more Tinker Toys on. Or I need to have, like, okay, so I'm, I'm just, like, murdering analogies here, so excuse me, <laughs> but, like, I do like the Michelangelo uh, idea that the sculpture is already in the stone and you just need to find it. And for Henrietti, uh, that was one that I, I came up with. I was really trying hard to, uh, write children's books when I first lost my job at Headsprout. I was like, okay, I'll be a children's book writer. It's been a bucket list item for me. And so I came up with that and I can't really remember how the, can I eat your toy? I have no idea where that came from. It's a really good question. Cause usually, usually Ideas like that would come to me randomly in the shower or for a long for a long walk or sitting somewhere with a cup of coffee and something would like make me giggle, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I would and then and then I the thing that made me giggle, I would start building stuff around um, to create something bigger. And then as I saw, once I build it up, as I saw what's working, what's not working, I take pieces of it apart and build them back up again. Most people who do what I do do their audio last. For me, I do my audio first, sometimes even before I do any sketches or anything. Like I will put all of my audio in place because I'll see it in my head, but I need to hear how it will flow before I can see if it's, before I can hear if it's, if it's flowing correctly. Like I need to put pieces together and play with things and move them around in order to get where, where I'm going. Thanks to Greg for stopping by and sharing his joy, not just with us, but with the world, and for going with his gut and pushing the fun quotient of what animated content can be. If you have kids, or if the kid in you just needs a smile, check out Can I Eat Your Toys, Henry Yeti, and Frog and Toad that Greg has graciously shared with us on joyventure.net. To see more of Greg's animation work, you can visit twotall.tv. That's the number two, T-A-L-L dot TV. To hear more podcasts or read our posts that are meant to nudge the dreamer in all of us to become the doer we were meant to be, 
visit us at joyventure.net. And if you're discovering or developing your joy, drop us a line. We'd love to hear about it. And until next time, remember, never stop discovering. Thanks for listening. Thank you.